Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. All right, welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. I'm your host today, Travis Tyler, and joining me is Brent, Jaron, Matthew, and Jacob. Thanks for being with me today, guys. It's been a long time since we've all been together. It has. Yep. But, you know. It needed a break at times, though. Yeah, everybody needed a break. Yeah. I'm joking. Global, global pandemics have a way of bringing us back together, don't they? <laughs> So, speaking of which, this is the topic of discussion today. Recently, an article was posted on Facebook, and what was the author's name, Jacob? Do you remember his name? Uh, it was Ken Bradley. Ken Bradley. And his article was, 20 questions your church should answer before people return. And we're hoping uh, that we can have returning church members for worship sooner rather than later. Uh, we're not real sure. I'm not sure if Governor Bill Lee, at the point of this recording, has made his recommendation. I know Tennessee has been opening up many things on May 1st. Uh, they're letting the barbers go back and the hair salons go back, but I think churches and schools are kind of in a different category. And so uh, before we re-enter, we may be under a, a restriction of 10 or less for longer, but we need to start thinking about how re-entry looks. And so uh, let's just kind of throw uh, one out that a lot of us were closed through, through the Easter season and I'm sure many of your churches are probably like mine. We normally observe the Lord's Supper, usually the Sunday before or the week of Easter. And uh, we haven't done that. I, you know, I know some people I saw where some people did it online. I personally struggled with that for, you know, some theological reasons. I wouldn't advocate doing that unless you're all together but if you did it not, not holding any grudges against you or anything but it's kind of like at the hospital when the chaplains carry the lord's supper around with them and just administer it to whoever would like that always bothered me they asked me when i was a volunteer chaplain if i would do that and i said no absolutely not <laughs> but anyhow uh you know what? we that was one of the things i know we we've elected not to do was the lord's supper and uh until we're able to gather again um as kind of a, a moment of kind of lamenting and awaiting that time that we can gather again as the body of Christ. So I know everybody has different opinions on that, but that's just one of the things we've elected to do. You know, everyone can be right like me and Jacob, but you're welcome to argue yeah. your case. You're right. <laughs> but, but when we come back together, now I, I've all, I have some church members who have different um, immune disorders and things like that already. And I, I had been thinking about this issue for some time. Now, if we go back in the heralds of history, the great W.A. Criswell would never serve the Lord's Supper without white gloves on. Now, he never made uh, anyone else put on the... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm confusing him with R.G. Lee. It was R.G. Lee. The great R.G. Lee would never serve the Lord's Supper without white gloves on. He said he felt convicted to do so and did not make the rest of his deacons do it. Uh, I've thought about making them wear like white gloves, not out of sacred and, and reverence, but more out of sanitation. <laughs> uh, how How is this going to affect how we do the Lord's Supper when we get back? You know, I think uh, it, it may be one of those things that there's a, there's a period where we have to wait to do the Lord's Supper. Um, but I think it, it may, uh, it may lead to a period where we're not passing the plate. 
um, but people actually coming up and receiving the elements um, themselves or, or they're handed to them while somebody's wearing gloves. I, I think that's, you know, we've done that several times. Uh, I think that you just got to change the way you, uh, way you hand it out, honestly. I know for us at Crossmore, um, <clears throat> we have several people that are wanting us to shift from like a traditional, um, you fill the cups, you fill, well, currently we fill two cups, one with the bread and one with the, the grape juice and kind of stack them on top of each other and pass them. But we have a lot of people that are wanting to shift us right now, a few people that are wanting to shift like the pre-packaged one that's individually sealed and individually packaged with both the wafers that's on top of the, the grape juice and have them come up front and grab them. Um, so I think that's a shift that I know that's in the talks for us when it comes to Lord's Supper moving forward to try to have less hands touching um, everybody's stuff. Yeah, I think we we were originally planning on having the Lord's Supper our first Sunday back together and celebrating Palm Sunday and then the next Sunday celebrating Easter because we traditionally do, <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord's Supper on uh, Palm Sunday. But now it doesn't – I mean, we were doing that sort of when I think we felt – it's going to pass by pretty quick and we're just going to be able to go right back into things full swing. And that's obviously not going to be the case now. And so um, I think all that's probably put on hold. I'm with Jacob. There's, there's probably going to be a time that the period of time where we still need to refrain from the Lord's supper, even though we're gathering together. Um, but if not at the very least, and even when we do resume, I think we've got to look at doing that differently. I've thought about the prepackaged stuff. Um, I've, I've had that before. I don't know if quality is the most important thing when it comes to the elements, but uh, if it is important to you, wouldn't go with the prepackaged stuff. <laughs> but uh, I think we definitely need to be considering, uh, you know, how how can we make sure everyone gets the elements, but with sanitation in mind and passing the plates, probably not the best option. Yeah, I know we've kind of, we've done the Lord's Supper a little bit different kind of each time that we have just about gathered. Um, there's times where we'll do the Lord's Supper on like a, a night service around New Year's or Maundy Thursday or something. And we always, um, you know, have the cups kind of already prepared. And then we have somebody who's breaking the bread, wearing gloves and whoever's handing the cups wearing gloves and we have people come up and we usually will have sanitized there if they want to sanitize their hands before they grab the elements anyways. And so we've done that already. And we'll probably, when we get back and, and have the Lord's supper, that's probably the method that we'll go back towards doing instead of passing the plate. So. What about baptisms? Now I, I had a situation where a lady came to know Christ through a ministry we were doing online during this whole thing. And, it felt very Acts Ethiopian, uh, what was it, the Ethiopian eunuch there where he trying to understand the gospel and um, one of the disciples told him, was it Thomas, was it Thomas or Philip? It was Philip, wasn't it? Philip, thank you. Um, this is the TTV, Travis Teller version, <laughs> mixing people up. But anyway, uh, what prevents me from being baptized? You know what I mean? And this person felt really strongly to be baptized. Now, I I have the, I think we might could go on record at Grace Baptist Church for having the tiniest baptistry on the planet, <laughs> like it is super small. And so uh, I once had to baptize a guy that was about my 
my height, but a little heavier than I am. So it was two pretty good sized boys in there. And uh, let's just say it looked like a little bit of a tidal wave and I just about went with him. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> anyhow, uh, how does baptism look now? I mean, do we wear masks when we baptize? We wear gloves when we baptize? Give a suit. Well, in the in the article that uh, ncbaptist.org has, um, they talk about baptism, and there was a couple good suggestions in there. I mean, for us, it doesn't really matter because we baptize in the river anyway. So whatever, you know, whatever virus you've got is going to be washed downstream by the time the next person gets in anyway, I guess. <laughs> but uh, – Pray for the fish. Yeah. They, you know, they said – they suggested – well. Obviously, only doing only doing one baptism. Uh, if you have a smaller uh, baptismal in your church, or opting to go somewhere with a chlorine-filled pool, which both of those are, you know, pretty good ideas, I suppose. Okay, and, and, and I then I'm, I'm going to throw one more in there. That um, would be cool. What? That would be cool, man. That's actually a really good idea. The pool. Yeah, to get to go to so like in Avery County, we have a county pool that you can rent out for like a hundred dollars for an evening or something, and that would be a cool way to you know maybe make baptism special is rent out and have a big like event at the pool. So, sorry, side note, my brain was going. And I think it's important to know that this is you know this is not forever too. You know, even as we talk to our church about and and kind of communicate these things, even if we're doing the Lord's Supper differently or even baptism a little bit different. Um, this is not forever. This is, you know, this is just temporary. So I think it's helpful communicating that. And I think people are accepting of when having to make those changes, they're, they're okay with knowing that this is not something forever. It's, it's temporary. I agree. Well, let's, let's talk about something every pretty traditional Baptist loves and how this is going to affect that. And that is the good old fashioned potluck where everybody brings their favorite casserole and, you know, all right, you're going to be honest about it here. Here we go. Let's, let's dive into this. Is potlucks now a thing of the past? Never. I, I'm going to say a no, no. Well, you know, I, I've been thinking even on the idea for us in, in Roll Mountain, uh, you know, one with, with everything that's happening here with the economy of, of putting in a regular Wednesday night meal, uh, not only for the congregation that would like to come, but as a way to help others in the community. Um, but of course you would right now, I would be very cautious of just starting that up, but as time goes on, uh, in the area that we're in, you know, plus we have, you know, there's ways to, to split apart in the fellowship hall to where you're not just lining up table beside table beside table, uh, but dividing up in such a way that you keep families together at a table, but uh, are then allowing social distancing between the other families. And so I really think that's going to be a, a viable option and hopefully an opportunity for uh, not just meeting needs there, but outreach in the coming months this summer uh, here in our community. What about, um, so if nobody's going to be mean about it. I think for a period, there may be some reluctance or maybe even changing the way in which we do it. But, but I, I, like, once again, man, I just don't see this being 
the new normal for everything. There may be a period for a handful of months where you have to take extra precaution, but I think in a large scheme of things like, like a potluck or baptism or many stuff, things will kind of go back or, or assume back to normal, so to say. I think things change for a short period of time. I agree with you, Jacob. I'll give you a prime example. So <clears throat> because of this COVID-19, we have missed two of our fundraising events that we had planned for youth for summer expense cost. And talking with my team and trying to figure out, you know, what are some ways that we can try to generate money for summer camp expenses? Cause our summer camp is still being planned to, to go on. And I'm on the phone with them each week, trying to get updates to make sure it's still going before we, you know, raise this money. And one of the ideas that we had a, a team member come up with, was to take the idea of drive-by church and do a takeout meal. Like drive-by, pick up your meal outside the church. People are sitting there with gloves handing it. And normally when we do a fundraiser meal, you know, I have parents and church members that go out and cook all this food, bring it in potluck style. I have hardly any expenses coming out of the youth, and we almost have 100% profit. Well, because of all this, I'm not asking anybody to bring any kind of cooked food. The only thing I'm asking for people to help bring is, hey, if you can provide some hamburger meat so that I don't have to go to the store once a day for 10 months to try to raise enough meat to be able to do this with the restrictions they have. And so it's changing the way, like even we're doing a fundraising meal when it comes to that is normally it's one type of food brought in potluck style, but now it's, you know, we're going to have four or five people sitting there in the kitchen cooking all the food for us to be able to do a fundraiser. So I think it changes for a while because if you say, hey, people are bringing it you know how uneasy are you thinking like i'm gonna go pick up food and i have no clue who cooked this or i don't know what they're you know where all have they been like i know that's the fear here in avery county is where all have this person where, where all have they been they've been going to boone have they been going to walmart have they been going here or there and so i think for a while like it's going to have to look differently when we gather for fellowships because people are going to be skeptical of Man, if, if Jolene over there went and did whatever, and we know how she goes around all over the place and doesn't, you know, use hand sanitizer, I don't want to touch her food. I, I, this is a true story. I'm, I'm going to share this because ever since this happened to me, I've struggled with potlucks, okay? I had a lady, she came to me, and she's no longer here at the church. She was at Grace, and she left. She went to another church. Maybe another church that another pastor here, pastors on this podcast. I don't know, maybe. But uh, she said, Pastor, if I find a dead fly in my casserole, I just snatch it out and bring it on to church anyway. And I just about threw up right there. Like, I just can't stand the thought of, like, flies touching anything I made. The other issue is people have animals, like the majority of people, and I'm very allergic to dogs and cats. My, my church members know this. And I've wondered if people, like, while they're cooking, feed their animal and then feed themselves, and then put those same fingers in that food they're making. You know it happens, brothers. I'm just saying maybe we should consider catering more than potlucks in the future. That's all. So anyhow. All right. Yeah. yeah. So let let me jump in on that one, though. So this is the hard part here, because in the history of my life, I'm at the first church I've ever been a part of, that does not have a Wednesday night meal on a regular basis, like on a weekly basis. Every church back home did that. Now, whether it was a big church or a small church differed on how they did it. 
So the two churches I was a part of growing up in Thomasville, both of them had either, both of them actually had staff people that were paid by the church that came in every Wednesday and cooked the meal. Part of the money that was donated or spent towards the meal went towards covering their cost to cook and provide the meal for us. When I moved to Mobile, the church I went to catered each week. Smaller churches did potluck style. But like here, I honestly do not know a person in Avery County that would be affordable to have cater a meal for us. Like, do you know one, Brent? Um, there's a couple that we use that aren't terrible. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Ingles is probably the best. Yeah, they're fried chicken. Yeah. But there's a <laughs> there's another you can get a, like 200 pieces of fried fried chicken for like 175 bucks. Yeah. Can't beat that. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, you know the other the uh, a good way to maybe encourage catering meals when all this is over is you can you can sort of spin it like well hey let's help the local businesses right because they've had such a hard time um, being closed and, and, and not, not having their income that, uh, that they typically, that they would typically, <laughs> that they would typically have to, uh, be able to rely on. And so you can just spin it like that, that we'll do, um, that we'll do catered meals. And I think that's a good point, Brent, because, you know, everybody is facing some sort of hardship right now, especially a lot of restaurants and, that is kind of a, a tangible way that churches can kind of maybe step in and, and help out by, uh, by having different businesses and restaurants cater for, for a meal in the future, just to kind of show, show love. So. All right. Well, let's, let's go ahead and grab the stick shift here and shift gears. Are we ready for our next one? I, I feel like the question he puts in here next is not necessarily, well, I'll be honest. I feel like this is common sense, but we're going to talk about it anyway. And that is cleaning your building. So if there's a silver lining behind this whole COVID-19 issue, it is that Grace Baptist Church may be one of the cleanest it ever has been in seven years. And I know a lot of the custodians are uh, cleaning, but, you know, changing of practices. We're, we need to talk about that for just a minute. You know, what was the, the, the thing we talked about before this started? Were the pews getting wiped down every week? Were the door handles getting wiped down every week? Or did we even think about these things? Were the toys getting bleached? on a regular basis in the children's department. No, I mean, I mean, so we've sat there and thought through this and, you know, we, we brought up the idea when me and Shelby got here uh, three and a half years ago, that, you know, we need to clean the toys like in the children's department and people would have, you would have thought that we had told them that we're going to burn all the toys every week and put out, go buy brand new toys every week and then burn that that we just bought. Cause it was such like, no, that's, that's a crazy idea. And, um, but now we sit there today and I think people looking at the legitimacy of, you know, something we can't even see wreaking the havoc that it has on the culture and the, the country and the world at large and people dying from this thing, something microscopic, I think has, has presented the idea that we have to be more careful. Like I was just sitting there thinking, um, when all this started, I was like, do we wipe down our door handles? Like to be honest with y'all, that's something I've never thought of. Like, I don't think about, like, I don't think of getting a Clorox wipe and like wiping my door handle a couple times a week or wiping down the pews. But I know that's something that our cleaning lady has started doing since all this has happened. If she goes in, like when we were still able to gather on Sunday mornings, 
once this started, she was wiping down the pew every Sunday, every Wednesday night. She was coming in after services and doing it immediately and not waiting for it to get done. So like, I think it, I think it does change cleaning the issues. And if there is issues of, well, that's a waste of money or that, that, that doesn't make any sense. Like we've never done that before. I think in the midst of a pandemic where we see some health issues and sanitation issues, it's a time where people will get on board to changing and transitioning some of the cleaning habits that we've had as a church. Well, let's be honest. Every church has probably got more toys than they need for their kids to play with. Agreed. Well, and I think it does, it does change, especially you think of flu season this year. Um, I know for, for us, I, I've never gotten the flu until this year and I got the flu twice this year. And so uh, because of that, I, I asked our, our cleaning staff that, uh, that clean here at Calvary, um, each time that I got the flu to do extra cleaning. And so we had kind of set up this policy every month. They do an extra detailed cleaning with all high touch areas and extra sanitizing. But, but you think going forward past COVID-19, you know, especially you think about when it gets into flu season, you're going to be back on guard doing it again. And so I think it's, it's absolutely vital. You think about children's areas. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this, but just every Sunday uh, taking a can of Lysol and just spraying toys down allow it to, to rest for a while and then wiping them off at the, at the end of the day yeah. um, because it's needed. Yeah. Well, well you can, I, there's, there's practical ways you can do that. You can, you can rotate clean toys in and pull the used toys from the Sunday, move that around. You know, you can, you can figure ways to do that to make that easy. Um, all right. I'm going to go ahead and shift on to the next question. Let's talk about special events. And of course, I think sometimes people unfairly draw a dichotomy between special events at a church and uh, Christ Center community, you know, pit them against one another. But let, let's just kind of be more clear about what we're talking about. I, I don't feel like that's always the case. If you're a church of genuine gospel uh, community doesn't mean that you don't ever have events at the church. But events that a lot of churches commonly have and hold are funerals weddings, revivals or Bible conferences, dramas, Bible drill events, children's choirs and programs, and then, of course, probably one that most SBC churches are known for, uh, Vacation Bible School. So let's talk about these events and how will this affect those things when we re-enter. Yeah, I think because by the time we start to re-enter, you're looking at summer months, you're looking at June and July, you know, I think, you know, some of those things may not be happening as often with the exception of a VBS. I know when this all first started in, in March, um, that was one of the first questions we had because our, our VBS is, was set for the first week of June. And so we, right when this happened, we went ahead and put a contingency date for the last week of July. And so we've already flipped gears and we're already leaning towards the last week of July. And we have a contingency that if that doesn't work, um, of what we might be doing on some online teaching and stuff like that for VBS. So I just think you have to have some contingency in place. And even as we've talked about VBS, one of the things that we have talked about is um, already we're, we're starting to, to buy more Lysol. We've talked about getting some wipes, disinfectant wipes, so that in between each classroom going in, that teacher is wiping down high touch areas and, and just sanitizing as best they can in between each group going in. So it does change, I think, the way that you look at maybe doing a traditional VBS or, 
or maybe even doing a, a backyard Bible club in an open air um, facility or open air location instead of inside a facility. So it does change how you think about it. For us, we, uh, we've canceled all of our extracurricular events, I guess you could say, for the month of June, which includes, um, includes VBS. Our summers are so busy anyway, and so uh, there's really not an opportunity for us to reschedule those events um, so, because, like I say, July is so full of different ministry things that we're doing too, and so um, everything VBS included has been canceled in, in June, and then we're still just, just sort of waiting on July. So have you already canceled y'all's Camp Champ for this year also? No, because it's in July, so we're just waiting. Yeah. Yeah, I spoke with our VBS director uh, this morning, actually, and we were scheduled to have VBS the second week of June. Uh, but we've, we have postponed that, or I guess rescheduled it to the end of July. So our goal is still to have Vacation Bible School. Just going to move it back. Hopefully things will be settled out uh, by the end of July, and we'll have a little um, – feel a little more certain about what we're doing there and trying to bring the kids in our community together to teach the scriptures. So – uh, and you know that that idea of the outdoor open air um, Bible school is certainly a great possibility. And if if for some reason we can't uh, do it, we feel safely at the end of July. Then we've discussed maybe fall break in October. As far as the weddings and the funerals go, you know I think that's that's more of the the more difficult question, maybe the more pressing question at the time. And I think the the key is going to be to figure out how do you safely continue to host uh, weddings and funerals? You know, what kind of, how can you implement safety measures, uh, social distance practicing in the midst of even of weddings and funerals so that you can still host them uh, and continue to care for and uh, to be a part of, of these significant times in your church members and your church family's lives. Uh, but at the same time, I try to minimize as much risk as possible in that. Yeah, I think the funeral one's probably the pressing one for sure. Uh, you know, I saw that uh, there was a, uh, you know, in our, our area, there's a, uh, a church that uh, they had a member who passed away from, from COVID-19. And I saw that that individual uh, in the, in the newspaper, it said that they were having uh, visitation for, four hours at the funeral home and still doing a service. And I thought, what in the world? I thought, why would the funeral home not change their policies in light of this? So, I, you know, I think personally, you know, I've not obviously not had to do a funeral in the midst of this, but um, I, I mean, it would change the way that we would approach things um, okay. that I, I think if anything, it would, uh, you know, my, my wife, her cousin passed away about two, three weeks ago. And so, um, and she lives in Nashville. And so it's one of those things, all they did was they had a, they had a short graveside of less than 10 people, and the intention of later to do a celebration of life service, hopefully by, by mid to, to late June or July. And so I think it does change the way you approach it. You focus more on that family and, and it might be a little bit better to give you more opportunities to invest and spend time with that family and counsel them and, and not having them to go through the, the rigor mortar of, of visitation, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. Did you just say rigor mortar of visitation? <laughs> I did. That's I awesome. Did. <laughs> I'm going to use that in a sentence this week. That, that's the highlight of the podcast right there. 
I'm, 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 I'm glad I could give a good soundbite. <laughs> That's good. All right. Uh, well, I, this is this is bringing us in here at about 25 minutes on this one. We may go ahead and record another one and do a part two of this one for questions for reentry. Uh, join us again next time for Appalachian Baptist Network. And uh, don't don't let your meeting set up in rigor mortar, friends. That's the lead of the day. <laughs> You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.